reaching up, reaching over, and reaching out. We are New Life Christian Fellowship. For service times or recordings of our weekly messages, please visit us online at www.nlcfchurch.org. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here again this morning. Uh, as you can uh, maybe have noticed, the air conditioning isn't working. And uh, uh, I guess maybe once we install it, we can turn it on. So right now we'll just, uh, I guess, live with it the way it is. But it's a beautiful morning. Well, you know, as uh, I think there was actually planned a little bit of a VBS type recap type of thing. And uh, Sarah was showing me some pictures during the week and she, you know, just showed me some of the highlights. Michael, I loved the fact that you were open to uh, letting these little kids put eggs on your head. It was a, a nice picture. And I saw the pictures, I saw the picture of all the volunteers up here. And I just want to thank you guys for, for participating in that. And you know what? For Sarah and all the people that have worked so endless this week, can we give them a great big round of applause? I've heard some good things, some funny stories, uh, and for some of the leaders, I think it was their first time helping at a VBS. Thank you very much. It is uh, very much appreciated. <clears throat> this morning, we are starting a brand new mini-series called Waiting on God. And today, uh, waiting, uh, waiting on God, there's just two sermons that we're going to be going through here. First one is today. Uh, the title of today's sermon is called Waiting on God's Promises. And then we have, uh, John will be speaking next week, and then after that we have Randy Fair coming out to finish up the series called Waiting for the Spirit. So waiting is kind of the key word here. <clears throat> so let me ask you a question. How many of you guys here today were almost late because you were waiting for your spouse? <laughs> Michael, you don't even have a spouse. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, maybe that's not, uh, I, I shouldn't be asking for a raise of hands there, but, but you know, that, that happens sometimes, right? Um, how many of you guys like waiting in your favorite drive through line? When you're going through a drive through you see, oh, look, I picked the short line. There's only two cars ahead of me. This should go quick. And you end up waiting. How much do you appreciate that? Is that something that, uh, that you like to do? Annie's saying no, but I think she really means yes, right? What about driving behind someone? This is a pet peeve of mine. 80 is just a suggestion. 90, 95 is what you should be doing. So if you're, in, <laughs> so if you're driving in front of me, I'm expecting 90, 95, right? So, but again, that's uh, an, another thing I have to work on. How many of you ever decided to wait? I just, for fun, I wanna wait. I can tell you a time that I decided I have no problem waiting. When my wife, she loves this uh, store called uh, The Dress Barn in the States. You know, if I don't have to go in there, I do not mind waiting. It does not bother me at all. I can wait for hours. If she's in there, I don't mind not going in there. So that's the only time I can say that I don't mind waiting. That's some of the light stuff, some of the lighter stuff that we have uh, that we're talking about here. You know, there are also some more heavy things that we wait for. And as we prayed for this morning in our service already, um, we're looking for a pastor couple for this church. And this is something that we're waiting on God to provide for us. Waiting, you know. 
And I'm, I'm sure um, I was, with time, you know, as, as time goes on, t- slowly goes by, you know, the more impatient we become. So a pastor couple, waiting for a pastor couple is something that we're definitely waiting for. What about when we wait for a loved one who has strayed from the faith and we wait for them to come back? That's hard to do sometimes too, waiting for that, waiting for God to work in that person's life to bring them back. What about you young fellows here and young, there's some young ladies and young guys here as well. What about what are some of you longing for girlfriends or boyfriends or are some of you looking for a spouse already? You know, waiting. We spend time waiting for this. You know what? Don't rush into that. Allow God to work through that and time that. But we wait for that, right? We wait for the right one to come along. And oftentimes when we... Uh, as in our younger years, we, we sometimes run ahead of God a little bit and then we don't wait and then oftentimes there's mistakes made and as mis- when mistakes are made, there's always baggage that comes with that. So waiting, waiting is something that none of us like to do. It's a hard thing to do. We don't have the time or patience for it. And when we even look at even the world's circumstances sometimes, you look at hunger, you look at the wars and things like that. We wait for this to end, we wait for this to be resolved. But how much of us, how much of our inner being, our soul, desires to end it or to, or to take care of that, that poverty or the, to end that war? But we wait. Today we're going to be going through a, a very familiar story of waiting. And we want to learn a few things this morning. Number one, okay, when we wait, God is molding us. God is shaping us and turning us and refining us. That's one part of waiting. And um, how do we do it? How do we wait well? That's the things that we're going to be, the items that we're going to be discussing this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be going through verses 1 through 7. Oh, that text might be a bit too small for you to read. If not, then you have your Bibles there. This is the story of Abram and Sarai. Uh, I'm going to start reading, and then I'll just uh, fill you guys in on what, what I want to talk about there. Genesis 12, 1 through 7 says this. Then the Lord told Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become a father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who, who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people who who had joined his household at Haran, and finally arrived at Canaan. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place called Shechem and set up camp there by the oak at Morai, At that time, the area was inhibited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I'm going to give you this land to your offspring. And Abraham built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. See, we read this story and we think, big deal. Or maybe we don't think much of it. But I want us to put ourselves, I want you to put yourself in Abraham and Sarai's shoes this morning. I'm going to pick on... Um, 
I'm going to pick on Abe and Annie this morning, since they're the closest here to the front here. We read the story here of how Abraham was commissioned to leave the land. Put yourself in their shoes. What if God spoke to you today and said, Abe, Annie, I want you guys to leave this land, take your family and all of your wealth with you, and go to a land that I will show you. Do you realize what was just said there? It doesn't even, God doesn't even tell them where they're going, where you're going. What if God is just telling, telling them to pack up and go? Where do we go? So you follow in faith, you follow God, and you walk until God here says to Abraham here, when they come to the land of Canaan, what if that land for you was Honduras or Africa or wherever it may be? Think about what that cost would be. We look at Abraham, and now we know that he's 75 years old. Now he's at the age of the retirement years where you're kind of looking back at all the things you've done, and now you're kind of enjoying what's to come. I'm not saying that you guys are there yet. You guys are still young, young, young puppies there, young couple there. So you still got a lot of life in you, a lot of life left in you. But this is Abraham's story. Abraham is well in age and is set. He's got his wealth with him. He's got everything established. And God, out of the blue, calls him and he tells him, pack everything up and go. What would you do? What would you do? And maybe that is something that you can compare in your life's circumstances today. What's going on in your life? What is God asking you to do today to move you from where you're at, blindly follow him, and just go. What is, what is God asking of you this morning? And would we be faithful? Would we be, as Abraham was, pack up and just leave? Leave all the comforts of home, leave all the familiar things, all the daily routines that you're used to, you leave it all behind. That is a huge asking that God is asking of Abraham. That would be a huge asking for any of you if God asked you to do something like that. This sets up the story of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, they leave, they go to, and they go to this promised land, and God has already promised them that I am going to make you, give you descendants as many as the stars. If you can count the stars in heaven, that's how many descendants you will have. And I want to continue on a little bit further here in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And it says this. We're going to continue on with the story. Afterward, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and reward you, and reward, your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since I don't have a son Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. You have given me no children, so one of my servants will, will have to be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you, have a, you, will, have a son and you will have a son of your own and inherit everything I am giving you. Then the Lord brought Abraham outside beneath the, the night sky and told him, Look up, he says, into the heavens and count all the stars if you can, he says. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. See, here we have the promise again. Abraham left, God is promising him 
that his descendants will be so great, you will not be able to count them. That is a lot of people. That's what God is promising him. Now, some time has passed. I don't know exactly how much time has passed from the time they left Haran and, got, and arrived at Canaan. But here, obviously, as Abraham is speaking, there is obviously some still waiting. God, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the promise, God. He's at the, they're at the promised land, but I still don't have an heir. That's what Abraham is reminding God of. So, and that's, this is noble, I think. And this is, we want to move ahead now to Genesis chapter 16, 1 through 16. And this is where the bulk of our message will be today. So keep in mind, they're out of, they left Haran, they're in Canaan, and they're still waiting for the promises of an heir for Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when they left. And here in chapter 16, we're going to read, and it'll explain how old he is there. But now listen, the tables start to turn. We read here that God was speaking to Abraham but we don't find that Sarah was anywhere present. So we have to commend Sarah for following Abraham, even though she didn't hear the words and the promises of God himself. But Sarah was obedient and followed Abraham. Wherever Abraham went, Sarah went also. But now listen, of what's hap- now listen to what's happening here in chapter 16. It's starting to turn a bit. But, Sarah, but Sarai, Abram's wife, had no children. So Sarah took her servant, an Egyptian woman named Hagar, and gave her to Abraham so she could bear his children. Listen to what she says. The Lord has kept me from having my children, Sarah said to Abram. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham first arrived in the land of Canaan. So Abraham slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, it's all your fault. Now this servant of mine is pregnant, and she despises me, though I myself gave her the privilege of sleeping with you. The Lord will make you pay for doing this to me. Abraham replied, Since she is your servant, you may deal with her as you see fit. So Sarah treated her harshly, and Hagar ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the spring along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she said. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then Then the angel added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also also said, you are now pregnant and will give give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard about your misery. The son of yours will be a wild one, free and untamed as a wild donkey. He will be against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live at odds with the rest of his brothers. Thereafter, Hagar referred to the Lord who had spoken to her as the God who sees me. She said, I have seen the one who sees me. Later, there was a well named Beer Laheroi, and it came to be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abraham a son, and Abraham named him Ishmael, and Abraham was 86 years old. What happened to Abraham's faith? 
See, this is so much like our human nature. God promised Abraham an heir. Ten years have gone by and still nothing. So what happens here is that Abraham and Sarah, well, Sarah can't take it anymore. It's ten years have gone by, still no heir. What's happening? What are we doing here, Abraham? What are we doing here? That's what she's probably thinking. And so here, Sarai comes up with this scheme that in order for her to have a child, she would have it through her maidservant, her slave, so to speak. So here, Sarah now convinces Abraham to go sleep with Hagar. What happened to Abraham's faith? This is what we would call not waiting well, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit further. See, Abraham agreed to the terms of Sarai. Sarai, why did he give in? And Hagar became pregnant, yes, but instead of Instead of what Hagar, I mean, what Sarah was thinking was going to happen, Hagar was going to become pregnant and then she would have the child and then she would be respected by her servant. But instead, what happened? It said there that Hagar treated her with contempt. She disrespected her instead of respecting her. And what else happens here? Sarah now is blaming Abraham for what happened. Why did you listen to me? See, this is what happens when we take things into our own hands, when we decide to play God and we don't allow God to run his course in us. We need to wait well. And what else happens here is that, well, um, first of all, now here Sarah is blaming Abraham for, all, for getting her into this mess, so to speak. See, this is what happens when our focus is turned inwards. When we don't wait well, when we don't wait on God, we start to bicker and we start to get unhappy with everything, how things are, when, when things are not going well, sorry, let me back up a bit here. If we don't allow God's timing and we don't allow to, if we don't wait well, exactly what is happening here with Sarai is, will happen to us as well. If we are not content, if we are not looking for God to lead us, our bickering turns inward. We start to self-destruct. That's what happens. And then nothing is good enough. Then nothing is done right because we are not waiting well. We are not waiting for God to lead us. We want to play God. A promise here that, that is, uh, uh, the, the promise that Hagar is given here by, by God, that even here Hagar, Sarah has never heard God speak yet, but here Hagar is getting the same type of promise that Abraham got, that your descendants will be too many to count. So there's a right way to wait, and there's a wrong way to wait. And what's happening here, when we take our own path and we decide to play God, or when we decide to run ahead of God, these are the results, this is what happens here. With that comes a lot of baggage sometimes. So how do we wait well? You know, a part of me wants to look at this, and later on we find out that Abraham does get his heir. When he is 100 years old, finally Isaac is born. 25 years of waiting. 25 years of waiting. And Abraham receives the promise that God gave him. And we look at other characters like that in the Bible as well. We look at David. From the time David was anointed king, 15 years of waiting before he was finally anointed king and took his rightful rule. Part of me thinks 
with Abraham's story? Why not just ask Abraham to leave when he's 99 years, 99 and a half years old, go to the promised land, and then Isaac is born? There's a purpose there. See, God was refining Abraham. God was refining Sarah. And that's exactly what God does to us when we wait on the Lord. When we wait in his timing, God starts to refine us. He starts to prepare us. He equips us for whatever task lies ahead. We are equipped to handle it. But that's done in God's timing, not ours. We don't want to run ahead. So how do we wait for God? What are the promises of God? What can we hinge on? What can we hold to? My, I have four points here that I would like to go through. And number one, waiting. Wait. The word wait is going to come up an awful lot. Wait. Number one, the first thing I want to say is be still and pray. Wait. Be still and pray. Psalm 131 through 6 says this. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let my ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman wait for the morning. Wait. Stop what you're doing. Stop. What is consuming your time? Where does your time go? How much time is given to just to be still and to pray? First thing, stop what you're doing. Wait. The word rathi in Hebrew means wait. It also means to be weak, to let go, to release, to surrender. These are all words that identify with waiting, to let God work on us in his timing. A part of me, the way I understand waiting is that we, we stand with clenched hands because we want to do something. Open, release, whatever it is that you're holding on to. Wait for God's timing. And do you know what waiting does not mean? It does not mean that we sit back and we do nothing. What if I told you that when we wait for God to speak to us, to show us, or to reveal the path, when we wait for God, we are working alongside God. We are waiting together. You're doing something joint together with God. Think about that for a minute. What does that mean? What does that look like? When we wait for God, we wait with him, we are co-joined, we are co-working with God for us to work out what God has planned for us. That's pretty amazing. And you know what? When we, when we are still and we pray and we cry, and just like the psalm says here, let your ears be attentive to my cry for my mercy. Can I tell you something that you don't already know? When you cry out to God, God hears you every single time. There is never a moment that he does not hear you. It doesn't matter if it's a cry as loud, the neighbors hear you, or it's a whisper. When you cry out to God, he hears you every single time. 
And if I can encourage you to anticipate that God will reply, he will reply. It just may not be in your timing. It may take 25 years or longer for God to reply. Our job in this time of waiting is to wait well and wait on him to lead and guide us. And while he's leading and guiding us, while we are waiting, we will be refined, we will be strengthened, we will be renewed. All these things we cannot do out of our own strength, nor can somebody walking alongside you. They can encourage you, but no one can do what God can do. Only God can do that. So be still and pray. That's my first point. My second point, also again, is wait. And my comment here is give up control. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Giving up control, how easy is that to give up control? It's not easy for me. Yield your plans. Give them to God. Hold out your hands and say, God, whatever it is here, it's yours. It's not mine. Lay them down. These are all things that come to mind when we give up control. What does it mean to lay something down? How hard is it to lay something down? God, you got this. And he does. Let God have his way in your life. We pray. We give up control and we ask God to lead us. Show us. Show me your ways, Lord. And you will find, when you look back one day, when you allowed God to lead, that his ways were the best. And I can guarantee you, when God does the leading and we follow his timing, there is joy, there is peace that only he can give because of him, because we allow him to lead. My third point, again, wait, is that we trust Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and in, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in, in Christ Jesus. There's a word in there that's, twice, that's written in there twice. It says rejoice in the Lord and again I, I say rejoice. Twice it's t said here. Don't be anxious about anything. When you see trust is totally letting go and it's acknowledging God I have no control over this. God you are in charge of this. I give this to you. I trust you that you will lead and guide, that you will reveal your ways, open the doors, whatever it is. But we, allow, we give God whatever it is that we are unsure of, we give it to him knowing that he has our best interest at heart. He knows what's best for us. <clears throat> this peace is different from the world's peace. It's peace that Jesus promised his disciples and all those that would follow him. True peace is not found in positive thinking, in absence of conflict, or in good feelings. It comes from knowing that God is in control. <clears throat> Do we trust God with our life? 
God is in control. <clears throat> and my last point. <clears throat> also, again, wait and let, my point is, let God do the work. Proverbs 16, 3 through 9 says this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything in its proper end, even the wicked for a, for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord, when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Better a little with, a right, better a little with righteousness than much, with, well, much gain with, with injustice. And their human hearts plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. I don't know what you're going through today, what you're struggling with, what you're waiting for, what your anticipations are. I don't know. But I know that God does. I know, what God, I know that God has a plan for each and every one of you. Don't let fear, don't let trust be an issue. And be obedient when God calls you to something. Put your trust and faith in him as Abraham did. No worries. And as we wait, I mentioned this already, and as we wait, God prepares us for whatever lies ahead. That's a promise. When we rush into things, we complicate things. Let's not rush ahead, but let's allow, let's walk and work in God's timing. And then as we seek and as we trust and as we walk, walk alongside God, as we are co-working with God, waiting, allow him to prepare you, to equip you for all that God has planned for you. You know, uh, the term roads collide. You know, you ever heard that term, ro wherever roads collide, there's a whole bunch of roads collide, there's accidents. I, what I picture is a mess, is what I picture. When we allow God to work in our life and we follow him and we don't run ahead, there is no such thing as roads colliding. There is nothing but a straight line, a path that we can follow. Waiting can be hard. Waiting can really test our patience. We are called to wait. Let's not run ahead of God. Let's walk alongside. In closing, I would like to read the same verses that Jake already read for us this morning. Because how do we remain strong? How do we remain faithful? What gives us strength to keep on going? Listen to these words. Isaiah 40, chapter, or sorry, Isaiah 40, verses 26 through 41. Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out one after another, calling each one by its name, and he counts them to see that none are lost or have gone astray. Remember how in the beginning, when I started the message there, uh, God took Abraham outside and he says, look at the stars. You, can you count the stars? Can you count the descendants? That's how great you will be. What is he talking about here? He's talking about that none of the stars would go lost. He's not talking about the stars. He's talking about you. He counts them all to see that none are lost or have gone astray. Oh, Israel, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? 
How can you say God refuses to, to hear your case? How have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is everlasting and the creator of the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted and young men will, keep, will give up. But listen to this part here. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is the promise we have when we wait on God. God has not changed. God is still the same God. He hears your cries. He knows you by name. He knows the trouble you're in. And we know that when we cry out to him, he is there. And when we get tired, and when we run out of energy, if we are walking in faith, if we are waiting on God, God himself will renew us, will give us a new zeal and strength to continue going. And it doesn't just change our, it doesn't just give us endurance. I'm not talking just about being able to do the work, but it renews our spirit. It puts a new step or a revived step in our spirit, not just our step, not just the physical step, but our spirit. How well do you wait for God? It takes time. It takes us to nudge out some time in the day to be still. And when we are still, it doesn't mean that we are not doing nothing. We are continually acknowledging and recognizing that God is working with us. God has a plan for us. And that God is, God, his best, or the best interest of, of us in his heart, God knows what's best for us. It doesn't mean that we turn on our phone and wait. Let's not be distracted. Let's give God the time that he deserves. And, and all the while, listen to what he's saying to us. We stop, we wait, and we listen. What's God saying to you this morning? What's he calling you to do? Let's pray. Father, God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your words this morning. We thank you, Lord God, for your faithful servant, Abraham, who, when commanded, was asked to go, and he left, Lord. He went. Lord, I pray that we have that kind of faith this morning, that we will, that we will put our complete trust and faith in you and allow you to lead and guide us. I pray, Lord God, that we will stop wait and sit at your feet to hear you. I pray, Lord God, that we will drown out all the noise around us, all the distractions we put aside, that we will just wait and anticipate you speaking and you leading us, Lord. Lord, you are the same God from the day the world was created to today. You haven't changed. You look down and you see us and you know us by name. We are precious in your eyes. And you long for us to respond to you, to be faithful to you. I pray, Lord God, this morning, may we take this to heart. I pray, Lord God, that you will remove anything that is unclean or that is causing us to stray from you or to not hear you 
I pray that remove that from us this morning, Lord, so that we can hear you. I thank you, Lord God, for your promises, your faithfulness to us. Even though we go astray, I thank you for your faithfulness. We are eternally and forever grateful. Have your way in us, Lord, this morning. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.